last week, I, we didn't have enough time this week to get it together, but next week I'll have one of these for all of them. We'll pass them out. Now, I'm going to be referring to our other chart, the one about the uh, understanding of the resurrection, but this is the one I want to just speak on just very quickly here to give us an overview. The Old Testament is a period of about 4,000 years, and it goes from Adam over to the coming of Jesus Christ. And then from Christ until where we are today is a period of about 2,000 years, and that's about how long the church age will be. That's why we also know that it's time for the coming of the Lord. The Lord's coming is close. And uh, this 2,000 years also is not just to the rapture, but there are 2,000 years actually goes to Armageddon here. And now I've got a big distinction here in the tribulation period. This is 2,000 years. The tribulation period here really is only about 10 to 14 years. I use that number. Nobody really knows how long it is, but it's very short. We know it's seven years for sure. And uh, so this period of time right in here, and then it's a little longer from chapter 11 on, it is a period of seven years, that is to, to 19. It's a period of seven years. Uh, before that, the tribulation period probably just, uh, who knows, a few years. But we do know that this whole period of time from Calvary until the Armageddon is about 2,000 years by the scripture in Hosea 6.2 where it speaks about a day with the Lord, a thousand years, a thousand years, one day. And it says that after two days, the Lord will, will come back and rescue his people or save his people. And we know that happens at Armageddon. So what we have done, and we have talked to you a little bit about how that God is going to restore Israel, and it all begins in the middle of the book of, tribu of the tribulation period. Now, to, today, I want to talk to you about the resurrection because we have come down past the thousand years of peace that is yet to happen. And then we come down to what's called the white throne judgment. Now, I am going to uh, put a chart up here that we've already talked about. And uh, if you have your Bibles, and I want you to turn with us. <clears throat> uh, let's go first of all, let's just look at very quickly at uh, Revelations uh, 2211. If you'll put that on the board for us, 2211, girls. And then I'll go to uh, the one in Revelation here and talk to you for just a moment here about the, uh, let me put this over here. Talk to you for just a moment here about this, some of the things that I show you on this. I'm going to take this off now. And I'm going to put this one on, and it'll take a few, uh, it's very clear. This is the one, that, the chart that we're working on, and this shows the, the same things in a little different way. And this one begins along about Calvary, this chart does. And what I've got here is a distinction between the holy, righteous, and wicked. Now, going to this scripture, Revelations 22, 11, uh, this is one I referred to last week. If you look on this side of our board up here, he that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He that which is filthy, let him be filthy still. This is two categories of the wicked, wicked, unjust, and the filthy. A lot of people can quickly recognize the wicked by the filthy. You know, drunkards, drug addicts, just, you know, cursors, swearers, 
They don't give, they don't care about nothing. But then the unjust is more of the heart and it's those that are, that are liars, crooked, weezers, thieves, all kinds of things that they can be in that sense of the word. So the Bible terms both of them, the unjust and filthy, but they're both the wicked. And then it said, let him be filthy still, let him be, let him be uh, unjust still, let him be filthy still. In other words, as a tree falleth, so shall it lie. What it is at the end of time, and you're in the last chapter of Revelation when you read this verse. Whatever it is at the end of time, that's what we will be. And so it goes on to say, and he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. And so there's a distinction between the holy and the righteous here. Now, uh, when you go to uh, Revelations 20, and if you'll turn there with us very quickly here, 20 and 5, I'm going to refer to our chart here very quickly and then move into what our lesson is today. But if you look at Revelations 20 and 5, uh, it says, But the rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years were finished. So there's a thousand years, that thousand year period of time, that, that thousand years of peace here between this first resurrection and then that second resurrection when all that has ever lived will come before God. We're going to read the scriptures on that in a few moments. But uh, that scripture here says, but the rest of the dead live not again until a thousand years were finished. Verse six says, blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. Blessed and holy. And when you get over here in the last part, everything's about the righteous and the wicked. We'll give you verses. It's a number of verses on that in a few minutes. But the holy are those that are in the rapture or those that may have been caught up during this tribulation period of time. Now, let me just say this, that we need the spirit of God to make us holy. Holy is not of ourselves, but it is of God. And God's spirit makes us holy. This is why the Holy Ghost is so important and so essential for salvation. Uh, if you look with me very quickly here, I'm gonna, then I'm going to get into our chart. If you look in, uh, I think it's uh, Revelation. I mean, uh, I'll find the verse here in a minute. Romans it is. Yeah. Look in Romans 8 and 9. 8 and 9. Romans 8 and 9. And then I'm going to also read verse 11. But look at these two verses with us here in Romans 8. But verse 9, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. This is Paul speaking to the church in Rome. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. This is why it's important for us to have the spirit of God. If any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Now, when we start reading about the rapture in a few moments, we'll read about verses about the coming of the Lord and the rapture. It will say the dead in Christ or the alive in Christ. And so to be in Christ, we have to be in him. And of course, his spirit in us puts us in him as well. And baptism also puts us in him. If any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Verse 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Quicken is make alive. So when we are dead, his spirit will make us alive. So we need the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost. Same thing. Spirit, ghost is the same word. Ghost is the old English word for it. You know well know that. 
So we need the Holy Ghost in us to quicken us at the coming of the Lord. Praise the Lord. So the Holy Ghost makes us holy. And that's what we all need to be in the rapture. The Bible says, holy men of old, holy men of old, that's the prophets, spake as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. Now the Holy Ghost moved on them. You and I, it does not just move on us only, but the Holy Ghost comes and abides with us. It abides with us. That's why Jesus says no greater prophet than John the Baptist, but the least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. How can that be? How can any one of us be greater than John the Baptist? In the sense that the Holy Ghost dwells in us. And that's the way Jesus planned for the New Testament. But in the Old Testament, it would move on them. Like Elijah, called fire down from heaven, killed a bunch of false prophets. You know, just, I mean, turned all of Israel, turned back to God. The Holy Ghost lifted from him because he was a prophet. Jezebel sent him word, when I get a hold of you, I'm going to take your life. And, and Elijah ran for his life from one woman when he had, already, he had already defied 850 false prophets and had them slain in a river by, by, the, by all the Jews. And had I done all of that, all fire down from heaven because the Holy Ghost had lifted on him. But I am pointing out to you that these were holy men, praise God. And that Holy Ghost, a Holy Spirit of God that moved, made them holy of that Old Testament, or women. It was women also as well as men. They use the word men as, as being for, both, for, for the human race, as you well know. Now, I'm going to refer to our chart here for just a moment, and I want to remind you here that we talked about we're made up of body, soul, and spirit, so that when we die, our, our body goes back to the grave, and our soul and our spirit, which are never separated. I'm not going to point out verses and scriptures, but you have that on your chart. If you have your chart with you, if you don't, uh, I, uh, we can get some more of them, but I don't have any more today. But anyhow, First Thessalonians 8, 33 says we're made up of body, soul, and spirit. And whenever we, are, we die, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 12, 7, our spirit goes back to God who gave it, and our body goes to the ground. And so when our body goes back to God who gave it, then God disperses the body to where he would have it go, depending on how we have lived. Now, if we have been a wicked person, he puts our, our body in hell. If we have been a righteous person, he puts it in the New Testament. It would be a place called paradise or heaven. I'm going to give you verses of scripture for that in just a moment. But we also talked about the place of called hell. Some people don't believe in hell and so forth. Jesus talked about it in Luke 16, 19 through 26, where he talked about the rich man and Lazarus. He says the rich man went to Lazarus and he said, I am tormented in these flames. So there's some kind of a, a place of torment there that hell is and that's where he went. Uh, on the other hand, uh, Lazarus, who was a good man and a beggar and so forth, he was in Abraham's bosom, which is what it was called, I suppose, in the Old Testament, Jesus refers to it in that fashion. And then after Calvary and after Jesus rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, apparently that place called Abraham's bosom sort of took on a new name or was a new place or something that Paul later referred to as paradise or third heaven. Now, I want you to go in your Bibles to that verse of scripture found in 2 Corinthians 12, 4. 2 Corinthians 12, 4, and that's the verse that you see right here. Is everybody still with me? I don't want to leave you in the dark here. 
and I know if you haven't been with us in these uh, previous uh, Bible studies, you're sort of jumping in the middle of it, but I've sort of given you a little basis of the background of it so you can understand there. But if you look at 12.4, this is an experience that Paul had when he was in the city of Lystra in his first missionary journey, and he was preaching the gospel, and in the course of the people getting mad at him and so forth, Paul was stoned to death. He was stoned to death. Now, that's all recorded in the book of Acts, and that's in Acts 14 and 19, tells about it. But they actually took Paul, and they, it was with him was Paul and Barnabas, and, and uh, they, they actually took Paul out the edge of town, stoned him to death, and left him for dead. They thought he, they, they checked him out. Paul's dead. He's gone. Now, Paul revived from that and came back to life and got up on his feet, and then he and Barnabas went on preaching that missionary journey. Now, Paul later writes back and refers to that here in 2 Corinthians 12 when he's talking about it. Now, look at this verse. Everybody with me? This is verse 2, and Paul doesn't talk, talk, talk about it as though it's himself. He talks about it like it's somebody else because he doesn't want to gloat that this all happened to me, but he was, you know, it was a revelation that he had. Look at 2. This is 12.2. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, that is longer than 14 years ago, that would have been that Lystra experience. Whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. I don't know where, what kind of condition I was in. Such an one caught up to the third heaven. Everybody read that? Third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body, he repeats now what he just said in verse 2. I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth. How that he was caught up into paradise. So we know from these verses that third heaven, paradise, is the same place. So Paul is saying, I was stoned to death and I was caught up to this place called paradise or third heaven. And I heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such an one will I glory, Yet of myself, I will not glory, but in my infirmities. So he says, I will glory about this experience this guy had, but I'm not going to talk about myself. But it was actually Paul who had had the experience. You understand what we're saying here? And he just said, but I'll only glory in my infirmities and so forth. So in that experience that Paul had, he understood that there was a paradise or third heaven where souls of men and the spirit and souls of men go that are either holy or righteous. Now, there's a distinction between the two. There's the holy, there's the righteous, and then there's the wicked. So whenever our spirit goes back to God who gave it, the wicked are put in hell, and the holy and the righteous are put in a place called paradise to await the resurrection, the wait of resurrection. Now, I'm going to talk to you about the resurrection. I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you have your Bibles, write in, in that chapter 15, the resurrection chapter. I'm going to spend a little time here because we're going to talk about the resurrection now, folks, because there are people who don't believe in the resurrection. Now, understand here that when we die, and we're talking about those that, that die before the rapture takes place, when we die, our body is put in the ground. Our soul and our spirit goes back to God who gave it. The soul is the real person. That's the you. Your person, your soul is your individuality. Your spirit is the life that's in you. The spirit and the soul never leave each other, but they will leave the body. 
The body is the only part of those three, body, soul, and spirit that the Bible speaks of that we are. The body is the only part that dies. You understand what I'm saying? The body is the only part of that. The others don't die. They're put in a place of paradise in their wake. And I use other verses of scripture where the Bible says that Abraham, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, they are uh, not a, the God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And refers to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Another place where Paul said, I'd rather be, go and just be with the Lord than to stay here. But for your sakes, I'm here. And he says that twice in two different places. So we know that Paul's not thinking about, I'm going to die and be in a grave, but I'm dying and I'm going, my soul and spirit's going to be with the Lord. But that body dies. Okay, so the body is the thing that dies, it's in the ground and so forth. Now the resurrection has to be the body. The resurrection has to be all about the body because the body is what dies. And so there are those who do not believe in the resurrection. Uh, I'm going to say this in a very modest way and kind way. Uh, but there are those who do not believe in the resurrection. The, 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 the uh, Sadducees in Jesus' time did not believe in the resurrection. There are people today who do not believe in the resurrection. Uh, I'm not picking on any religion, so don't think. That's something we don't do here, blast, knock down religions. But I do refer to them in knowing what some of them believe, and I point that out sometimes. But the Jehovah Witness do not believe in the resurrection. They do not believe in the resurrection. Uh, at Easter, if you will notice very closely, they talk about Easter, but only they only talk about the crucifixion. Jesus died for our sins. They never mention about the resurrection on the third day. They never talk about it. Uh, I have discussed this with Jehovah Witnesses, and they speak very plainly about it. As you well know, uh, they are Jehovah's Witnesses, not Jesus' Witnesses. And uh, they, uh, they believe Jesus, actually they believe Jesus was not God, uh, that they believe he was Michael, the archangel, the son of God in that fashion. And they'll tell you that if you really, really corner them and everything, finally they'll admit that's the truth. But the point I'm bringing out to you here, they do not believe in the resurrection. So just take note of that next time Easter rolls around, that they talk about the crucifixion and Jesus giving his life and shedding his blood for us, but never about the resurrection. Uh, I asked them one time, what happened to the body of Jesus? They said, we don't know. Now, this is really their answer. We don't know. I said, I, I do. <laughs> hey, look at me. I, I know where it is. It's in the Bible. It says he rose again. Amen. The rock rolled back and he walked out. Blah, blah, blah. I don't know how they explain all that away, but I guess they do. But anyhow, there are people who literally don't believe in the resurrection. Now, in this chapter 15, in the first 11, uh, 11 verses, Paul talks to the uh, Corinthian church about how he's already explained to them about how Jesus died on the cross and rose again the third day and how that he, uh, he was seen of the brethren. It's right here, it's so plain. How that he was seen of, uh, of the 12 apostles, how he was seen of, uh, of the 500 brethren at once. He was going to say finally that last of all, he was seen of me as one born out of due season. Paul was the apostle who took Judas's carriot's place. There were 12 and then Judas messed up. And then later the Lord called Paul and he became the apostle uh, that would be the 12th. If you read a verse of scripture over in the, I think 20th chapter or 21st chapter, 21st chapter, I believe it is of Revelation, 
talks about the 12 foundations of the holy city and upon each foundation was the name written of each one of the 12 apostles paul was one of those and he was the apostle to the gentiles that's us and i thank god for that great man that wrote so many epistles for you and i gentiles that we might understand jesus christ uh, brought salvation to us as well as it being brought to the jews and i'm going to move on here I'm going to go into the 12th verse because here Paul starts talking about the resurrection. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? Verse 13, but if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is in vain. Your faith is also in vain. So Paul is laying everything on the fact that there has to be a resurrection of Jesus Christ, okay? And it was his body that rose from the dead. Now, look down in verse 26, uh, 20. But now is Christ risen from the dead, okay? Okay, it's, it's settled. He's re-rose from the dead. And become the first fruits of them that slept. The word slept are those that died. So Jesus is the first fruits of that. Jump to verse 22. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ. Remember I talked to you about a while ago about being in Christ, how important it is that you know, we have Christ in us and us in him. In Christ shall all be made alive. If you've got a pen there, put a ring around the word all. As, as in Adam all die, I've got a ring around all. Everybody dies. Even so in Christ shall all be made alive. So in Christ, we are made alive. Look at verse 23. But every man in his own order, in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterwards they that are Christ at his coming. So Jesus Christ was the first to be resurrected from the dead. And he had a resurrected body for 40 days on this earth. And then when he ascended into heaven, he was glorified. His body was glorified. From that point on, it was difficult for man to look upon him. Paul looked upon him like he was brighter than the noonday sun on that road when he was on the road to Damascus and the Lord you know, knocked him down and spoke to him and said, Paul, what? Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And so forth. You know the story. Now, I'm pointing out that Jesus had this glorified body. Now, the Bible says we do not yet know how we shall appear, but we shall be like him for we shall be, we shall be like, we shall be as he is. Uh, the Bible also says that we'll have a glorified body like as unto his glorified body. So all of these verses and scriptures let us know that, the, that that glorified body that Jesus has is what we will have in our body. I'm going to read a little bit more about the resurrection here in a moment, what Paul had to say about it. What the resurrection that we will have will be like him. Praise God. That's why that we have an earthly body today, but one day we'll have a heavenly body and we'll have a glorified body like his body. So the body is going to be resurrected. Praise the Lord. That's the resurrection. And that's, that, that, it, that is beyond the comprehension of man. But there's a lot of things beyond the comprehension of man that God has done. I mean, can you comprehend the heavens? You know, can you even comprehend the greatness of the heavens? You can't. It's, it's too much. Our little old, you know, we got a little brain in our head here that's about the size of a grapefruit or whatever you want to call it. I don't know what size it is. But anyhow, and we think that we got it all figured out up here, you know. And God is so great, he fills the universe, he's made everything. He's beyond what we're able to comprehend. Yet man figures he's got to be able to think it all through and figure it all out, or it doesn't exist. 
I won't go any further with that. I could, I could talk to you a lot about this, a lot of these doctrines and beliefs they've got around everything. But I do want to move on here and talk to you about this, rap, this rapture here. And, uh, and I'm pointing this part right here where it says that the, incorrupt, the corruptible shall put on incorruption. The corruption shall put on corruption, the immortality. Immor the mortal shall put on immortality. Now, I want you to look with me, if you would, please. We're in chapter 15 here of 1 Corinthians. Look at verse 35. Here Paul talks up a little bit about the resurrection. But some men will say, how are the dead raised up? With what body do they come? Thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quick and except it die. In other words, if so, is put something in the ground. Let's take a grain of corn. That's a common seed. Uh, you put a grain of corn in the, in the ground. That corn has to die in the ground before it comes forth. Paul uses the word die. Verse 37, and that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bare grain, it may chance of wheat or of some other grain. But God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him and to every seed his own body. Here's what Paul is saying. In essence, I think we understand it like this. You put a grain of corn in the ground, you cover it all up. When it sprouts, it doesn't come up a big grain of corn, does it? You know, big old grain of corn pops out of the ground the size of a watermelon, right? No. There's a, there's a, there's a little plant that starts growing. The plant grows up and the plant's got leaves on it and it's got a stalk on it and it grows up and keeps growing and it keeps growing. Next thing you know, it's got little buds and tassels and next thing you know, it's got ears of corn all over it. What I'm saying is that, excuse me. <coughs> what I am saying is that that stalk of corn is different and that's what Paul's talking about, is different than the grain of corn he put in the ground. So Paul is saying so is the resurrection. We are, we are planted or we are buried one way, you know, and then the Lord will bring it forth a new body like as unto his glorified body or that that pleases him. Now I'm going to move on here in this 15th chapter. I want you to go to verse 42. Jesus, Paul explained about the corn or the seed that's put in the ground, how it comes forth. Then he, he concludes it in verse 42 by saying, so also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. Uh, verse 43, it is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. Now, verse 44, it is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. Everybody's still with me here. Paul explaining the resurrection. This is why I want you to understand here that there is a resurrection and we're talking about that first resurrection. <clears throat> now look at verse 48. I skipped a few verses just to save time. These are all beautiful verses to read, but uh, time is an, of an essence with us here. As is the earthly, such are they also that are earthly. We are born of the earth, so we have an earthly body. Adam and Eve is our mother and father originally for all of us. So we all have a body like, as a natural body like they had, you know, and, and like mankind, like our forefathers had and so forth. We all know that. So as is the earthly, such are also the earthly. And as the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. All right? And as we have borne the image of the earthly, just say we all look like Adam and Eve. <laughs> Some way or another, we all, we're all Adam and Eve, so we're Adam and Eve. You know, we got hands and fingers and toes, you know. Okay, 
as we have borne the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly, which is Jesus. Now, look down at verse 51. Now, this is where he describes the rapture as it will take place. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, that is, we shall not all die, but we shall all be changed. If you live to the coming of the Lord or you live unto, up, up until the rapture, you'll not die, you'll be changed, but we'll all be changed whether you're dead or whether you're alive. The corruptible shall put on incorruption if we're dead. The alive, the immortal shall put on immortality if we're alive when the Lord comes. So this is what, and notice Paul using the word we. <coughs> he was planning on being one of the ones that'd be still living when the Lord came, but you never know, you know, nobody knows. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all be sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. That's how quick it will be. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead in Christ, uh, the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death, where is thy, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? And so here Paul <clears throat> describes what is called the rapture of the church. And Jesus Christ is the first fruits. And his, his resurrection was right over here following three days after the Calvary. And ours is yet to come. We are that part that is spoken of earlier on in the 15th chapter here when it says here, uh, but every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterwards they that are Christ that is coming. Now, I'm going to go also to First Thessalonians. I know this is old hat to some of you, but stay with me on this because I'm talking about this first resurrection. Folks, anybody can be ready to go when Jesus comes. I don't know what your spiritual status is here. I know many of you and I know you're good people and you walk with God and I know that, but I don't know everybody here. And uh, let me just say this for all of us. Anybody can be in the, in the rapture of the church. The plan of salvation is so very simple. The Lord has made it simple. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. That means your sins are remitted. That means they're taken away. That means they're just forgiven. That means they are remitted. That means if you go down to the, down to the light company and you said, I got a bill here and I can't pay it, and they say, okay, you're forgiven till next month, but next month you've got to pay two, two months. Okay, that's one thing. But if you go down there and you say, I got a light bill and I can't pay it, they say, don't worry about it, it's remitted. Stamp it, it's remitted. That means you don't owe anything. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. Remission. Your sins are remitted. And you shall be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. So salvation is simple. Repent, be baptized in Jesus' name. And let the Lord fill you with the Holy Ghost because the Holy Spirit is what was promised from the Old Testament that the New Testament would have that would be so wonderful. And why some people say, do you have to have the Holy Ghost? Well, that's like taking a dose of medicine, you know. You, you want the Holy Ghost. That Holy Spirit is what will change us. It's what will make us happy. It was what will give us peace. It will give us joy. It'll help you love your brothers and sisters and it'll help you love your enemies even. Amen. It's, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing to have. 
So what I'm trying to say here is that the plan of salvation is so very simple and you can be ready to go when Jesus comes. Now, I'm just going to insert this for what it's worth. I believe there's a lot of people out there in the world that's looking for something and they're hungry and they don't know what it is. The hunger may be real deep inside of them. They may be just watching and hoping they can find an answer to life and the answer to what this is all about. The world, folks, is getting in bad shape. The world is getting bad. It's getting, I mean, more, it seems like more wicked all the time. But the Bible says when sin abounds, the grace of God doth much more abound. And I think there's a lot of people that's just searching and looking and hungry and I pray a lot, God, help us to get in touch with these people. Help us to reach them. Help us to know that. I believe you can have a prayer life and say, God, bring me in touch with people who are searching, who are looking for hungry for God. Praise the Lord. And God is able to fill that hunger and that soul. Praise God. And get them ready. Get them ready. Amen. For his coming that is very near at hand. It's not very far away. And uh, the Bible says it'll be a time when you least expect it. It'll just, it'll just happen. It'll come. Uh, I'm going to uh, have you go with me. Let's see. Where am I here? First Thessalonians. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. Very quickly, look at this verse. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. So they will rise first. We will not pre-event. We will not pre-event those who, uh, who are dead. In other words, the dead will rise first. We'll not pre-event them. Uh, look at verse 15. It even says it here. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not pre-event. I know it says prevent in your Bible, but that's the old English way of saying pre-event as well. Prevent and pre-event was spelled the same way. Today we put P-R-E-E-V-E-N-T. Uh, but anyhow, it says that shall not pre-event them which are asleep. In other words, it will not happen before they rise. Everybody understand what I'm saying here. Okay. Verse 16, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. This is the same thing Paul said in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. I even searched out the word so here one time. And this word, and so, has various shades of meaning. And where it's translated from the original text here, it means as we will be with Christ wherever he is. Wherever Christ is, that's where we'll be. So will we ever be with Christ. In that fashion, we'll rise to meet the Lord in the air, and so will we be with the Lord in the air. That's what it means, or in the clouds. So when Jesus comes back in the rapt, for the rapture, he'll never touch the ground at that point. He won't come down and touch the ground. We rise to meet him in the air with the dead, and then we are with Christ until he comes back after the tribulation period at Armageddon. Uh, no, I don't have Armageddon. Where's Armageddon? I guess it's over here at the end of, yeah, I don't have it marked, but it's right along in here. This immaterial in this chart. So what we're pointing out to you here that these are scriptures concerning the Lord's coming back for his church and for his people. So be ready to go when the Lord comes. Then following that, as you see on the chart here, 
is the tribulation period, followed by Armageddon at the end of that. And then we come back, the Lord will come back with 10,000s of his saints. We come back with him at that time. At that time, Jesus will touch the earth. Remember Zechariah 14, he touches Mount Olives. Right where he went up is where he came back. That's why those angels said, you see him go away, you're so come again in like manner. He's going to come right back and touch the same spot that he ascended from on the Mount of Olives. And when he does, you know what's going to happen? You know, I've told, I've told you. It's going to split open. Mount of Olives is going to split open. And there's going to be a river that will run out of Jerusalem. And out, of, out from right in the middle of Jerusalem and run down into the Dead Sea. It'll also run back toward the Mediterranean Sea. It'll be healing waters. It'll heal all that salty in that desert land. And it'll be all that salt sea will be all be healed. It'll be like a freshwater lake again. Uh, all of that is preparation for the thousand years of peace. I could give you verses, many verses over, especially in Ezekiel. Take you over to Ezekiel and show you where all of that will be. And there'll be a little salty water left in the brackish areas, way back in the marshes a little bit, just so that parents can say to their children, this used to be a salty sea. Oh, no, there's no way this could have been a salt sea. I'm talking about the Dead Sea now. It's very salty. No way, Mom or Dad, this was a, a salty sea. No, no. See the brackish water there? Go over there and taste that water. That's salty. That's because that's a little bit of salty sea that left from that salty sea. So you would know at one time it was salty. And the Bible says it would be that way. It would be that way because the water will be so fresh, it will be hard for younger generations to even believe it during the thousand years of peace. Everybody still with me? But the rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years is over with. And I'm quoting back over there in, in uh, Revelations, uh, I think it's uh, 26, is it? 26, the rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years. No, the fifth verse, fifth verse. Give us 21, 21, 5. Give us uh, Revelation 21, 5 here. I think and he said upon the throne, I got the wrong verse, 20, I'm sorry. Hey, sorry, guys. 20 and 5, got the wrong chapter. Praise the Lord. But the rest of the dead live not again in a thousand years. We're finished. Everybody's still with me. Now, we're coming back down here to the end. And when the end of the world is all over with, the Lord will judge everyone who has ever lived from the beginning of time. Now, I want you to go to uh, Revelations chapter 20 and verse 11. Verse 11, I was right there and didn't, didn't realize it. Yeah. Verse 11, and I saw a great white throne. Everybody with me here. I saw a great white throne and him that sat on the throne whose face this, the earth and the heavens fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God and the books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and the death and the hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. Notice here, works is a big factor. I mentioned that to you last week. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So this is a white throne judgment in which God will judge the righteous from the wicked. Now, this is the church. If you repent, be baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, live for God, walk with God, and you'll go in the rapture. This is what we preach. This is what we talk about. 
This is what Jesus came to bring. This is his kingdom on earth that will be caught up. But at the end of time, God's going to judge everybody that's ever lived from the beginning of time to the end. And he'll judge the righteous from the wicked. I do not preach or teach this Holy Ghost or hell. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, you're going to hell. Or if you're not baptized in Jesus' name, you're going to hell. I don't believe that. I don't teach that because I'm not a judge. I don't know. God alone is the judge. God judges it will judge the world. But I do know what you have to do, do to be in the rapture. And that's what this is all about. This is what our dispensation is all about. Getting ready for the rapture. If you miss the rapture, folks, you're going to end the tribulation period. And you definitely don't want to go through God's judgment on this earth in that period of time. And we've talked about that already. But I am saying at the end of the world, when it's all over, God will bring everybody who has ever lived in the beginning of time to, to the end. And he will judge them righteously as God himself will do. And the only one that can do. And so God will judge the world. And so the, the, he will bring them before this white throne judgment. Now, while we're talking about the white throne judgment, go to uh, over here to John. Uh, John chapter 5, I believe it is. Yeah, 528. Look at John 528. He says, Marvel not at this. For the hour is coming in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice. Not just those in Christ. You understand what I'm saying? Not just those in Christ. And this is all. This is everybody. All that are in the grave shall hear his voice. And shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life. And they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. So this is another description. A simple description here. Of uh, the coming of the Lord. And uh, Acts says it in another place. And the times that this is uh, found in Acts 17, 30 and 31. The times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, that's Jesus Christ, who will be God manifest to judge the world. Uh, uh, unto all men and that he hath raised him from the dead so forth so what i'm pointing out to you here is that these scriptures tell us that there is coming a white throne judgment which god will judge everybody since the beginning of time another verse of scripture let me read this one to you this is one found in uh in uh i think it is let me find it in matthew matthew twenty five thirty one. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit on the throne of his glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. Uh, and he shall, shall set his sheep on the right hand, his goats on the left. Then shall the king, notice here what it says in verse 31, when the Son of Man shall come. <clears throat> and then verse 34 says, and then shall the king, he's referred to as the king here. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. I was hungry, and you gave me meat, and I was thirsty, and you gave me drink, and I was strange, and you took me in, neck, and you clothed me, and I was sick, and you visited me, and I was in prison, and you came, to, came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him. Everybody see the word righteous there in verse 37? And Lord, they say, When did we do all of this? When? I don't remember doing this for you. And then the Lord will say, uh, in, this, in 
verse 30, 41 rather, then shall he say unto them on the left, no, I'm sorry, the Lord shall go on to say, when you did it unto the least of these. He said, when did we do all of this? He said, and the king shall answer them and say unto them, verily I say unto you, insomuch as you have done it unto the least of one of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. Least of my brethren, you've done unto me. And then he reversed everything. Then shall he say to those on his left hand, verse 41, depart from me, ye cursed and everlasting fire prepared from the devil and his angels. And then he repeats the same thing. And they said, when did we see you when you needed all this? And he says, verse 45, then shall he answer them and say unto, them, I say unto you, and so much as you did it not to the, one of the least of these, ye did not unto me. And verse 46, and these shall go into everlasting punishment but the righteous into life eternal, okay? Now the Bible says that the, there will be a new heaven and new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. So the righteous will go to the new earth. The holy will go to the holy city. I won't go into detail that today. I don't have time, my time's gone. And the fire here, the wicked shall be cast into the lake of fire. Now I wanna read one verse of scripture and I'm gonna close here. I want you to understand this. When people are good to his people, God honors them. Don't ever forget that. And if people are mean to people, God will, will judge them for that. That's why the Lord said, you know, don't do evil for evil or to, don't take revenge. That's one of the hardest things for us not to do. I'm talking to somebody here. Don't take revenge. Just wait on God. And God has a way of doing everything right. I'm going to read a verse of scripture. This is found two places. I'm just going to read one. This is because there's only one verse. The other place is two or three verses. So I think it's in Matthew. But in Mark 9:41, Mark 9:41, For whosoever shall give you a cup of water to drink in my name, because ye belong to Christ, sure, verily I say unto you, he shall not lose his reward. So anyone who does something kind to you, God is going to be kind to them in some way or another. You know, I was praying for a guy one time. I didn't know how his soul condition was. I was praying for him one time. And I was praying and praying. And the Lord spoke to my heart and said, remember what he did for you one time? Remember? Remember what he did for the church? This guy that I was praying for? Remember what he did for the church? He, you know, he gave a big offering to the church one time. And he, he said, I want to do something for the, for the church and for the king and everything. And whenever that all came to me, it's almost like the Lord said, you know, I, I got it all taken care of. Don't worry about it. He's done for the kingdom something, and I have not forget it, and I will not forget it. So somewhere way down a thousand years later, there's going to be a white throne judgment, folks. But don't ever worry. God will judge everybody right and everything right. Praise the Lord. And we leave it all in the hands of God. But I want you to know, if you will let God, praise the Lord, take care of some things, and if people treat you right and they're kind to you, God will be good to them in the very end time. You are so special in the eyes of God, if we only knew that. How much the Lord loves us. That's why we need to praise him, worship him, glorify him, magnify his name, and give God the praise and thanksgiving all the time because we have a very special place in God that we don't even value or understand ourselves. And the devil would like to make you think that it's nothing, but it's the greatest thing that God ever sent to this world, his kingdom on earth.
to get us ready for eternal life and say one day we're going to have a glorified body like his glorified body and we'll live forever with Jesus Christ in heaven with God and the angels. Oh, hallelujah. It's coming, folks. It's coming. Oh, praise the Lord. Let's stand together and worship God. Let's glorify his name.